0: Hi, good day, welcome to Marble Horse TV. This is going to be the second episode of the Football Podcast where I'm going to discuss a brief history of the commercialization of football. Now, I'm going to be discussing largely English football, though I will touch briefly on the Liga in Spain, Serie A, Italy, the Bundesliga, even MLS, and in a contemporary sense, the Chinese Super League. Now, to understand why the commercialization of football has happened, compared to say the 70s and the 80s, you have to look and analyze the nature of English football in that era. So essentially then, the 70s and 80s, English, well I'm going to talk on both the positives and the negatives. English clubs did very well in Europe um, from around let's say 1970 to probably literally 1985 when English teams got Um, banned from Europe for some years I do, you know there probably was not a season in which an English team did not either A, win a European trophy or B, reach a European final. Um, That would have been the Old European Cup the Cup Winners Cup and the UEFA Cup Now for those who don't know uh, the Cup Winners Cup was a trophy that essentially the Cup winners of each European country UEFA country participated in it was abolished roughly around, I think the year 2000, but then in Premier League history at least, Chelsea won it, Arsenal won it, Manchester United won it, if you go back before the Heisel ban, um, West Ham, Chelsea again, Spurs, um, you know, another, I think a few other clubs too in England had won it too. So. Um, it was a trophy of some standing, though it has been kind of morphed into what is now the Europa League. Um, because if you win the FA Cup now or domestic cup competition, you get into the Europa League as it as it stands now. So then, um, average attendance in England were high compared to other countries. Um, you know, one also had... You know, Whilst not as technically able as, say, Serie A, or the Liga, or the German League, or even the Dutch League, you know, back then the Dutch League was pretty strong in a comparative sense, um, I do think that, um, you know, there were a lot of positives. However, one can argue these were overshadowed by the negatives. Um, Football hooliganism was at a height, possibly peaking in the 1980s. There was a lot of racism at football grounds. Um, non-white supporters would often not attend. Um, to be fair, that probably did differ from club by club. So in the London clubs, like Arsenal, Tottenham, maybe, There's, well, specific London clubs like Chelsea, it was not safe for non-white supporters. West Ham, to some extent, some of the Midlands clubs. Um, the stadium, whilst very big, you know, Old Trafford, Anfield, Highbury, White Hart Lane were very large stadium where I'd probably say 50 or 60,000 in the all in 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 with a mixture of terracing and seating um, you know even still nonetheless they were um, not very well maintained the facilities were poor the food available was poor you know the the sanitation toilets were poor um, the policing was there but obviously not as advanced as today And I think things did come to a head when um, there was the Heysel disaster, which was at the European Cup final between Liverpool and Juventus. Juventus did win. However, as a result of this, as it was perceived to be Liverpool fans or English fans who were at the root of the problem, English clubs did get banned for five years from UEFA competition. Another thing is that at this time, the... um, Serie A and La Liga did have a head start in terms of attracting top players. You know, Maradona went to Barcelona in the eighties. He then went to Napoli in Serie A, Italy, of course. You know, Ruud Hullit left for the Netherlands to go to um, AC Milan. Van Basten did too. The English clubs, whilst they were attractions, simply didn't have the money to compete on that level. Um, And the England national team then as now was rubbish, you know, the late, great Sir Bobby Robson, to be fair, probably was, I I think, the last decent England manager. Yes, you can argue if we'd have beaten West Germany in the 1990 World Cup, we could have won the World Cup. Um, Though the 82 World Cup was average, 86, yes, it was the hand of God, but even still... Uh, you know I think Argentina overall were the best team in that competition that year the '98 European Championships was very very poor so English football really in that era whilst it had a lot of positives that stayed there were a lot of negatives too so then of course this culminated well at least in my opinion in the Heysel disaster not Heysel sorry Hillsborough disaster which featured Liverpool versus Nottingham Forest to the FA Cup semi-final in 1989. Liverpool did win the, the FA Cup that season against Everton in the final at Wembley, but the Hillsborough disaster really was, in my mind, the straw that broke the camels back. I think we started to realise then as a sport that we had to treat fans with more, more dignity. We cannot presume that they are hooligans because I think by now, well certainly by the time i'm recording this in 2017 one cannot say that they're you know the the full disclosure on hillsborough has been made after all these years so we know it was the policing a problem not the fans so it was more case of the attitude towards fans and how they were managed and how we treated fans at football grounds which possibly could have caused hooliganism you never know in terms of resentment but um I think all of these factors essentially wants, were, were designed to help English football become a major world league and you have to say it succeeded. So in consequence from the Hillsborough tragedy and the Hillsborough disaster, as with any major public deaths in the country, there's an inquiry and the inquiry recommended that, that there'd be better policing. That You know, all top division clubs should have all seats a stadium. And that there should be more extensive CCTV. Um, and to curb hooliganism. And also to try and market football to a more middle class audience. In essence, to, for one of a term, gentrify it. So, this also, I think the Premier League clubs, sorry, I should say the old first division clubs as it was then started to think that well we have a product here and how can we better move football into the modern day so people say it was all about money but then i'm going to discuss this whether the commercialization of football is a good or bad thing now that's it will just be my own opinion but nonetheless it's just my view so then the top division clubs the old first division broke away from the Football League to form what is now the Premier League which was initially under the umbrella of the FA but now it's kind of a independent organisation but obviously under FA remit as all other football leagues have to be or should be really. But um, nonetheless the first Premier League season was obviously in 92-93 um, and this was supported by the Sky Football TV package, so for now, English clubs did have the means to compete financially. Um, initially, there weren't that many top name foreigners. Um, John Jensen, who who played, who won the um, Euros with Denmark in 1992, came to Arsenal. Cantona came to Leeds and then to Manchester United. Jürgen Klinsmann went to Tottenham. So there were a few, but certainly up until 1995 most players were British or a few Irish and you know Germany very few foreigners however from around 95 say to 96 you had Burkamp come in you had Zola at Chelsea or Burkamp at Arsenal I think there were you know Junela came in he's French obviously so there were a lot more foreign players obviously attracted by the money and not just the money but also a new experience you know England is a country obviously the the the, the, the progenitor of modern football, um, and also, you know, I, I think it was also the attraction of an established league, an established footballing country that was trying to refind it, itself its league. So it wasn't just the money because the money could have been had at Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Juventus, Inter, Real Madrid, Bayern, but. I think it was the fact that England was a different challenge, and a unique challenge that did attract many top players. So then, really the rest, as they say, to use a cliche, is history, because if you look from then on, you know, I think the majority of players now in the Premier League are non-British. Um, and of course, also, the number of foreign managers has increased. I think Arsene Wenger at Arsenal was the kind of forerunner for that. Of course he had Julier had some success at Liverpool, Benitez did too. Mourinho certainly has at Chelsea, now at Manchester United, as I'm recording this after they won the League Cup. You've also had um Pochettino's doing well, Pepper's coming, Copper's coming, Ranieri of course, and of course I'm recording this after we have got the sack. Um at Leicester. but Leicester did win the league and it was at Chelsea before. You know, he dink Ancelotti's won the league, Mancini, Pellegrini. So there have been many non-British managers and players who've had an immense contribution to our football, in part because of the money, but also because of the challenge and the unique experience, you know, Thierry Henry. um, So many non-British players um, have come in. So in that context then, we have to see that the commercialization of modern football has been a result of essentially trying to rectify the wrongs of how football was in the 70s and 80s, at least in my perspective. Nonetheless, whilst it is true that a lot of people do revere the 70s and 80s, and one can argue rightfully so in that, football, you know, in that context did represent more of a sport and a game and a, and a community-based feel more so than it does today. But I think also is that there are a number of other factors which leads on to my major point, or second point at least. Is the commercialization of football a good thing or a bad thing? I personally think it goes beyond whether it's good or bad. You have to look at wider inevitabilities or wider consequences. The first consequence, I would say, is globalization. Now, globalization just doesn't mean, like, the WTO or the internet. It's also things such as better communication links, which obviously would encompass the internet, but also global entertainment. So the Premier League sells its rights across the world. So that, in consequence, means that if it sells its rights across the world, then that means it will send it to African countries, to Asia, to the United States, to Canada, to many other countries, China, Japan, Korea, Australia, India, Pakistan, to the Arab world, to other European countries, many countries around the world would be buying TV rights. And because of the globalization of the world and the general commercialization of all major world sports, you know, if you look at tennis or Formula One, or Golf, you can name any word major world sport, both coach Rugby, Cricket, they've all been highly commercialized because of this global entertainment need as it were. So, football as the biggest sport is no different. Um, as a related point, if you look at say FIFA, of course you can bemoan and condemn the corruption occurring in FIFA. But corruption is essentially endemic in most big organisations. So we can say football's become a business now, but I think that's inevitable. I believe it's inevitable, given that football always was a business. If you take, say, for example, Manchester United, Manchester United did not just become a registered business when the Premier League came in. It was not a charity. Of course not. During the heyday of Sir Bobby, Charlton and Nobby Styles and you know the late Duncan Edwards and the late um, George Best, Manchester United was a registered business. It's just the general environment of Manchester United was not as commercialized or as business or as profit-oriented as it is today. And again, as I say, because of the nature of how football has changed and morphed in the modern world and all major world sports, because sport always has been entertainment, we have to see that the commercialization of football is not a good or a bad. It's an an inevitability. And even if you look at the big American sports like gridiron, ice hockey, baseball, they're all very similar in that they are sports that have been highly commercialized because they're entertainment sport is entertainment now can we go back to how it was in the 70s and 80s in terms of sport being very community-based about the playing about winning about glory i think it's very difficult um it'll be very difficult to do because there are too many vested interests who want their peace so it'll be very difficult to revert to how it was before so i hope this has covered many things that are of interest to others um as i say, i do believe the commercialization of football is inevitable so it's not so much seen as a good or bad it, it, it it's happened because of different events around the world um there are some good and bad sides to it but again this is just a view Anyone can have his or her view and respond accordingly. So thank you very much, and I'll see you next time.